Hello, screeders. As always, been a minute, but not an hour, and that's a bonus. Today is a special day, May 1st. It seems to be working out pretty well for me. I often wonder what May Day is all about, though. I can remember in grade school or before, it was always pictured as a day for the May pole with ribbons streaming down and kids would run around and it would stripe at the pole with your May baskets. But I never really knew that I recalled what the holiday was all about. Apparently, it's like an earlier Labor Day or some such to um, revere, you know, workers uh, working. So thanks for that all you workers out there. I know it's Traveler Day in the Geomologist Presents world, but it's May Day at the Gamerhood. Today is May 1st, 2023. I am Jason Hobbs, and this is Random Screed. Hey, Jason, the other Jason. Just listen to your latest episode, Extra Credit. And, yeah, there... I don't have a good answer for you for the vetting thing. Maybe just open that conversation up with, you know, I really need to vent about something. But even then, you know, the other person might be thinking, well, that's kind of a dumb thing to vent about and, you know, still come back at you. So I, I don't know. Maybe just make sure you vent on your own. Make sure you're by yourself. I don't I, I don't know. I, you definitely don't want to bottle that stuff up, but I don't have a good answer on the healthiest way to vent it out, right? Because um, I've run into some of that with my wife as well, so I, I don't know. Um, I know it helps if you're the person being vented to, to stay engaged, not look bored, and not give negative feedback to the person who's venting. Because um, I know I've screwed that up as being, you know, when my wife is vented. But as far as how to best frame that conversation as a person who has to vent, I, I don't have a good answer. I've already weighed in on the credits thing, so I look forward to hearing what other people think about that. Hopefully Carl remembers that's what the other thing he wants to talk about this time. Um, I guess it depends on the group and how detailed you want to get in the economics part of the game, though, right? So is that something you just hand wave because it's easy, or is that something you want to delve seriously into the idea of currency exchange and, you know, all that kind of thing. I, I don't know. I think that's going to depend group to group. As far as the other idea of playing multiple characters, providing less characterization for each character, uh, I mean, yeah, you're obviously not going to have the time to role play as much with the individual characters. And, I'm not saying you can't have individual personalities and make those individual personalities shine when you play multiple characters. Obviously, as GMs, we do that all the time. You know, we have multiple NPCs that we, we can differentiate, so there's no reason we can't do that running multiple players. But they just have less screen time, you know, to use a movie analogy, if you're role-playing multiple characters. So, I... I I don't really have a good answer for that, to be honest. Uh, recruit more players in the game. There you go. That's the answer. <laughs> easy for me to say, not so easy to make happen. As far as the OSR goes, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think most of us that engage in these kind of things are the, the DMs for the most part. 
you know, we're the ones for the most part on Discord and the most part putting out the podcast and the most part responding to each other. And I, I think it's interesting you mentioned 5e has more people involved, more players involved compared to some other games. And I think that's accurate, actually, from talking to other people. And, you know, it's very rare. There are people in the OSR that are players that aren't GMs, but it's pretty rare where with 5e, it, it does seem to be a, a much larger number of players that are engaging in the various social media things. So that that is interesting. I don't know if that's a product of critical role and actual plays and and that's kind of sucked them in, maybe. But I mean there are plenty of actual role or actual plays for non 5e games. But there's you know maybe it's just the the overwhelming numbers of 5e players to other players. I don't know. But but I think that's a valid observation for sure. Anyhow, keep up the great work. Talk to you soon. And there you have a couple calls from Jason Connerly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Thanks for calling in, Jason. Those were some great calls. Uh, and even though you had complained about them and thought that maybe they were a little too wittery to coin a phrase by Che Webster, uh, I don't think so. I appreciate it. Venting, man, who knows? Who knows the answer? Maybe I was just venting, and I understand and appreciate your response. Uh, credits? I have actually had quite a In few... half a mile, turn left onto West Plum Street. Interactions with credits, including uh, Spez Baby and Arlen Walker. Spez Baby talking about, you know, different concepts of credits and script and planetary exchange and that sort of thing. And then Arlen was all about, why are we talking about credits and sci-fi games we should really be talking about the money exchange in fantasy Take games and how West Plum Street. and how ridiculous how ridiculous it is and hey I don't think either of you guys are wrong from now on though unless you want me to read it out loud just say it into your voice recorder on uh, your phone and send it to me. Your destination will be on the left. I'll put it on. Thank you so much for the interactions, though. It's nice to get a little community uh, forming around the Twitterverse as far as the Gamerhood goes and always the Discord. You can find me at Twitter at OSRNHobs and uh, the Discord is called the Gamerhood. Anyway, great responses, as I mentioned. I really appreciate them. I... uh, I don't know all the answers, but I'm glad that you called in. Thanks, buddy. Hey, Jason Hobbs. I have many beefs with you, but I think the only beef I currently have is that you're saying it's improbable that myself and the GM of your other Traveler game are running the same adventure. However, I don't think so because there are a few classic Traveler adventures that are played through, kind of like how you know, 3.5 had Forge of Fury and Pathfinder has Rise of the Rune Lords. BX has, you know, Isle of Dread, uh, Keep on the Borderlands. Um, there's a lot of other games that we've all played and that are played similarly. The the big one is the Slaver series for AD&D, right? And Traveler has Death Station, which is a game that the current adventure we're playing. It's a classic adventure back from classic Traveler. There's also other ones, Mission to Mithril, Prison Planet, which I see elements that your current GM has been using. Across a Bright Face, Chamex Plague, The Traveler Adventure. It, you know, it's really those classic adventures were used a lot and people run through. I think 
a couple of my players, or at least one of my players, has played like the Travel Adventure and wouldn't mind playing it again. There's Secrets of the Ancient Ancients, which was done, you know, uh, classic Traveler, Mongoose Traveler one and two now. And there's all, there's another one that uh, people a lot of people do, the Sky Raiders by the Keith Brothers, the Sky Raiders um, t- trilogy, I believe. So you know, there's common adventures that we play and we modify them. I think what's what's really cool is that the setup that Huskarl used for your Traveler game is different than the setup I used, but using the same adventure and and kind of you can interchange the different place names. You're using uh, I think the the Versace is the name of your ship, named after the Versace uh, family, I guess. And ours is the Kierkegaard, named after a uh, a German physicist. So, or was he Dutch? I don't know. Anyway, but um, yeah, I think that that's one big difference. Another big difference is that this was this is a, a lab ship that someone got during character creation, which seems similar to what you guys did. And um, but then I kind of set it up even from the first. Ad- adventure the first session we played that death station was going to happen because um dr arvidan well he took a he didn't want his ship to not be making money while it was in kind of quote unquote dry dock and while it's being refurbished because it had a lot of modifications um well there was room for some lab experiments to go on so that's what happened so it's pretty cool uh i think it's a neat synergy in the traveler uh referee verse that these games are played similarly. Curiously, you also said that um, like there's no connection or you don't know about the characters. I, I don't know. I I know like, I don't know if you guys did character creation together, um, but we didn't. But then we had on my Discord, we had like a, a major thread on like where you're from, what your connections are. And the Mongoose Traveler system provides for connections you can have. You can have all connections with everyone, but up to two connections can gain you a skill. And the characters did that. And then that was, they were able to learn each other's sort of backstory and connections and interaction. And we did that in our Behind the Claw and on the on the Borderlands um, game that I'm um, playing with uh, Kevin Madison's group. We did that extensively on the, on the Discord. And I think that's kind of what you guys might have to do if you haven't done it already. Um, to establish those connections, see where in the career you all interacted and met each other. So, for example, on the Borderlands game with Madison, like three of our characters are ex-military and we definitely interacted with each other during the courses of our career. And uh, we, we know each other's backstory, what we're all, we take and what we're about. And then there's a great um, interaction between myself and a non-military character because of our love for conspiracy theories that came out. So, you know, we kind of learned each other's backgrounds through the character creation process. And then through the course of role playing and in play, we kind of know how we how everyone kind of ticks, which I think is kind of cool. So um, anyway, I'm glad you're enjoying Traveler. Uh, hopefully you'll get back. I know you mentioned that you might be able to get back to our Traveler if it fits with your schedule. I know you work really hard, but uh, it'd be great to have you, buddy. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Another great call in from another great dude, Carl Rodriguez of Geomologist Presents. I think there is a bit of a misunderstanding. When I was saying it was improbable, I was not in, intimating in any way that you were copying or Huskar all copied off of you. I was just surprised that it was happening so quickly or it, in the game, you know, 
decades after those were written that two different Traveler games were used in the turn same Turn right adventure. onto Romine's Drive, then turn Shit. left to stay on Romine's Drive. And that's it. I thought I had turned off the GPS, but I hadn't. Anyway, so that was the misunderstanding. But beyond that, yeah, the name of the ship is the Briseis, and I'm not even sure where that came from. But talking about using classic adventures in different ways or having the setups be different, I think a super cool setting or, you know, a scenario for shenanigans would be the cold birth cryopods that are quote unquote smuggled onto the lab ship to bring the mercenaries on there who are trying to steal the, uh, the testing that's been going on. What if you played those mercenaries as the madness was happening, as opposed to showing up after it's already done and gone? What if you're on the ship at the time and trying to survive? I think that would be a super trip. Either way, I do hope to get into the old uh, Behind the Claw game at some point. Uh, until then, keep listening, keep rolling, keep traveling. Thanks again for calling in, buddy. If he is up or down, his podcast still comes round. Hobbs is in his van. Don't turn off that sat nav man. Random screed, random screed. Don't know what you get, but it's what you need. All right, I think it's time for a little bit of recapping. I didn't get in a lot of games over the past few weeks. Um, we have been playing uh, the Traveler game, the Briseis game. We <laughs> Last session, we did attempt... Uh, my plan of lowering the oxygen in order to make all of the inhabitants that were not on our side fall asleep or be lethargic. And we then we went around in uh, three-person teams to try and capture them. It's kind of an ex- interesting thing because it seems like you'd have less time for each character, but in reality, you should almost have more time. But it feels weird because each char- player has two characters, And I kind of wonder if it wouldn't be worth doing like a session or two with just like a group from each person or maybe doing some blue booking to help kind of define who the characters are. Because I feel like it's totally old school. I feel that there was a whole bunch of spreadsheeting going on as far as where are we at with food all the resources for the ship, for the pinnace, for the group, when does the lease end, what do we do about that, all things that almost feel like too much minutia for me, but at the same time, I wanted to write a game that dealt with all that stuff and helped you build up your base, which is exactly what this is kind of doing. It's kind of a domain game almost immediately. But my question to you all is, Does a domain game have to be all about spreadsheets? It definitely is an Adventure Conqueror King. That's spreadsheet galore. Is that what it has to be? Is that the only way to really play a meaningful domain game where you're doing trading and some different things to try and keep track of everything? I just, I'm terrible at keeping track of my actual business that is my livelihood, let alone this make-believe ship for a game that I play once a week. 
I guess the answer is Kevin Crawford, but damn, do I just bang my head against his writing. I did kickstart the cyberspace game. I couldn't help myself. I don't know, guys. It's, it's a good question. It's one that I'm pondering, and I don't know. I want this semi-turgid, semi-hard uh, sci-fi game, but I don't want to be doing a bunch of spreadsheets and trying to figure all that out. I wonder if I do want some sort of... I would prefer maybe just some sort of abstractness. Maybe it's a roll um, every week. Once per session, you make a roll, and this is like a, the problem that comes up about the resources for the ship. If you have a ship, and then you have to try and deal with those. That was my plan for Relentless, is that it would come up with a table and say, okay, this is what you're missing, and then this is might be how you would find it uh, uh, in this session or this group of sessions, this quote-unquote adventure scenario. That's the way I wanted to write it for Relentless because I I don't want to do all this spreadsheet. Some people love it, and kudos to them. Thank you so much to Roger slash Zargrave from BS Landia in our Traveler game because if he hadn't done it, there's I mean, I probably would have just quit. I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't have done it. Um, that's just not my gig. Maybe someday, just not right now. Maybe that's why I'm really enjoying the quick one-shots of We Deal in Lead. Hey, guys, that might be for some foreshadowing for the next recap. Yes, it's true. I got to play another session of We Deal in Lead. This time I used the adventure that I've been considering. Um, che Webster from um, our Roleplay Rescue uh, was going to be available to play a game on Saturday. I was going to be home in time to do it. Arlen was supposed to play. Uh, and I, just off the cuff, I didn't know what we were going to do, and so I offered to run We Deal in Lead, and uh, somehow everybody won the lottery, and that's what we decided to do, including Jason Connerly jumping into the session. And uh, just like last time, I had no idea what was going on. It's even worse because I hadn't prepped in any way by rereading the rules. Or, But honestly, dudes, this game is relatively simple. I mean, it's basically just Cairn in the Gunslinger uh, setting, so... Pretty pretty straightforward as far as that goes. The rules are very simple. You don't roll to attack. You only roll damage except for when gunslingers are fighting. We did get to get into a gunslinger duel. Uh, it ended in a TPK. This is one of the regrets that I have for these sessions is that I really need to write some adventures that I want to do, maybe come up with kind of my own setting stuff and use it and have it prepared for whenever it works out to play because I feel like I'm shortchanging these guys because I don't know the rules that well. So for me to just throw together what they're capable of being a challenge without being too much, you know, where, where does that line fit? I don't really know yet. And so this, Holy cow, excuse me. This ended in a pretty dramatic TPK with, uh, Pretty Boy, Dupree, and uh, Cutter beneath the statue of the mother. I got the uh, adventure from someone who had written it or maybe for a game jam for Under the Light of a Setting Sun, which was based on Under the, under the Light of a Million Stars or something by Nathan Treem. Uh, 
and it's interesting, but none of the statistics or anything like that were set for uh, we deal in lead or into the odd or Karen or any of that. It's its own game, uh, but it's a it's cool and moody and just it was it was fun. It was really fun. I got to do a little bit of RP with Carlos, the madman, and uh, I think there was enough there that I could do some foreshadowing here and there that kind of gave the players some ideas what was going on. Arlen had to leave early, so only got to get into the initial gunfight with some some of the Walker gang, and uh, they easily dispatched that, saved some twist-horn cattle, and uh, Arlen's character took those back to the settlement where they'd been stolen from. And then the others continued on to try and deal with uh, Langdon's uh, portion of um, ran by Pretty Boy Dupree. And uh, th- these guys had just like been really weird and nasty, and it was kind of a lot of body horror and dark. I had a lot of fun with it. I mean, two and a half hours, we made characters, and we played, and we got through the whole story. I mean, there could have been places where it could have gotten a little more tedious or long. And I made a pretty boy a, a harrier or a fallen gunslinger when I probably shouldn't have. But I was trying to challenge him, but not too much. And uh, <laughs> in the big in the big showdown in the last scene, I had uh, Che roll for Pretty Boy Dupree in the duel between... Jason's character, who I can't think of what his name is off the top of my head, and he rolled a one, and so a one is the best thing in this duel situation, and uh, yeah, that was that. He instantly killed his character. Of course, Chase's character then instantly killed Dupree uh, on a uh, a comeback shot, but I think he was also shot by, I don't remember if it was Cutter or if it was Dupree that fired back in the same round and shot it back. So it was just quick, deadly, brutal. Uh, I did like a nice little end scene. And to me, for what it was, it almost felt like a prelude. And it was almost perfect. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. After the session, Jason mentioned that he thought it was fun, but we didn't... Uh, engage with the mechanics enough. And I found that to be a super fascinating statement slash question uh, slash observation about is that what it is good is to engage with mechanics? Is that what's important? It seems kind of a weird uh, disconnect with a game that mechanics are made to get out of the way and you can just play. But I don't know. Hopefully, maybe we'll do a joint episode or... Uh, Cerebrivore or something that we can delve into that a little more because I find it's just such a fascinating uh, question about engaging with mechanics and back to that why do we play the game so if Che has some kind of thought process on that and he listens to this random screed uh, I'd love to hear his his ideas as far as it goes and from you guys what do you guys think about this does it negate some fun if you don't engage with mechanics 
let me know. I'm, I'm, I'd really love to hear about it, and uh, hopefully you can hear us talk about it more, either here, there, or another place. Anyway, that was me dealing lead. All right, it's finally the 1st of May. At the end of May, I'll be in North Texas at NTRPGCon. And it's going to be fantastic. I've been mentioning it now for weeks. And, uh, yeah, I haven't done anything to prepare. I didn't do what I should do, but uh, I'm kind of feeling like I'm getting into that mode, maybe. I've been really in the dumps. This shifting in weather and getting sick and hurting my ankle and all these things, not really doing that well with work. Everything being in a downward spiral has not been great for my mental well-being. But uh, I'm talking to you guys. That always gets me a little more excited, makes me feel a little better. And so I'm really hoping it's going to be great. I'm going to try and do an episode a week, and then I'm going to try and keep you guys posted on what's going on down there. There's so many people that I think listen to Random Screed and Hobbs and Friends and Hex Talk and all of that. I'm going to do a short little non-totally gaming-related recap. Uh, I had a good talk with uh, J.E. Shields, who's also going to be at North Texas, who's working on his own hex crawl. And so we talked for about an hour comparing notes and doing some different stuff, which was fun. He's going to be there. Uh, let me know if there's anything that you want me to do, anybody you want me to interview. I've I got a whole bunch of people who agreed to do interviews, and I did none of them. That's horrible and uh, really inexcusable. So... I'm really going to work and try to, like I say, I want to get at least 12 Hobbs and Friends episodes done this year. I'd prefer to do 25, but I'm already way behind the eight ball on that, and I don't know how much editing my guy is ready to do. But, uh, yeah, I feel like things are on the up and up. My foundation is about as solid as it can be. I just got to stay alive because I got, I got a job. I got a job to do. My mom was recently diagnosed with uh, onset, late onset Alzheimer's, so that's going to be a lot. I've been kind of just staying out of that and away from it in an effort just to not necessarily even accept it or decide it isn't part of something I have to deal with, but I changed my mind. Maybe I'll go into why I feel that way, but I don't know. I don't know who else she has, really, and she seems to interact the best with me so I think that's something that I have to put on my plate I have some writing I'm still doing I got to finish up something for Gary's Appendix 2 and I have a secret project that I've been working on and then I'll have all the other things that I've always been trying to get done I had a deadline for North Texas for to have something published but likely Likely, unlikely, <laughs> if that makes any sense. But uh, as far as North Texas goes, one of the big things we're doing is, is we sponsored our own room, and there's going to be Forlorn Shores games going on. There have been Forlorn Shores games going on. If you are interested in being involved in a West Marches open table game with multiple GMs in a BX-type environment, you should be paying Forlorn Shores. You can get involved at the Audio Dungeon Discord. Uh, 
Um, and I'm pretty sure there might be like a Reddit post and Cody Mazza, Eric Hoffman, Thaddeus Moore, Paul Wolf, Lucas Wolf, all running games. Uh, I'm going to run one at North Texas. I got to get my shit in order. But uh, to celebrate that, I am going to end the show with a different Muzak from none other than TJ Drennan, also going to be at North Texas this year. Things in life are looking up. So thank you, TJ, for uh, sharing this music. Thank you to the screeners for listening. And thank you to Carol Rodriguez, also going to be at North Texas, and Jason Connerly. You guys are all great. I love you, and I shall talk to you soon. It's better to burn out <laughs> than to fade away. Well, Priscilla came back from Sangria Night, smelling like a senorita, feeling all right. But I couldn't join in her festive refrain. I've been rolling straight elevens and was feeling the pain of the forlorn shores. Yeah, the forlorn shores. The experience was flowing and D20 was cursed. Couldn't decide if the DM or the collar was worse. So I took out my dice bag, said goodbye to my dog. Stepped out in the night air and I jumped on my hog. I could have asked, girl, what you doing to me? But we both know the real villain is the call of the sea and those forlorn shores. The forlorn shores. Well, those dirty western marches are tattooed in my brain. Got a pile of dead retainers and a thief for a main. Should have packed a tin for pole, maybe some chalk in a chain. Wanna cook it on a spoon and get it right in my vein. The forlorn shores. Sail the forlorn shores. 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 There you have it, Screeters. A couple calls from uh, Jason Connerly of Nerds Art. In half a mile, turn right onto West 26th Road. Variety cast. I uh, always appreciate the calls, and uh, I feel like you've outdone yourself. That was a that were some excellent calls. I remember you complaining and thinking that maybe you had uh, wittered on too much to use a Che. Take the next our... right onto West 26th Road. <laughs> God damn it.